In the following live session recording, Mary McDonald, freelance composer, will talk about playing with power, passion, and purpose. This session will provide the listener helpful hints to giving wings to the notes and flight to the hands for a more dramatic, effective presentation from the piano. Let's join Mary now. So today we're talking about playing with power, passion, and with purpose, and we're going to kind of talk about the uh, the logistics of being a church accompanist and or an accompanist of whatever facility, and also about how to maybe invigorate your gift to where you do it with a little bit more fervor. You've all been in this a long time. I have. I have, as Judy mentioned, I've accompanied the Tennessee Men's Chorale for. 40 years, mm. and I started when the guys are in it now, when their dads were in it. And I said, it makes me really feel old. And I was only six at the time, if you're wondering. Well, yeah. um, but it, it's been one of the joys of my life. I keep thinking, this is the last year, and this is the last year. And I thought that for the last 10 years. So this is the last year. <laughs> um, I've served one church for 63 years, my, um, my home church of Central Baptist in Knoxville where I've been everything. I've been music secretary, uh, children's choir coordinator, music assistant, pianist for 18 years, organist for 10 years after that. And I stepped down just about uh, 2011. I felt a a calling to go travel. I was going about 20 churches a year to do composer weekends. And it's now 45 weekends a year. Mm -hmm. So I can't take a church job at this time. But God's using it in an amazing way, allowing me to to be in events like this that I wouldn't get to do otherwise. So thank you all for taking time to be a part of this. I want this to, to fashion around your needs, and if there's anything in particular that's on this amazingly long list of things we can't possibly do in an hour and 15 minutes that you want to, to focus on, then just kind of speak to that. And I'd love this to be like our last class where it was just more conversational than dictatorial. I've never been a teacher, don't aspire to be, uh, but I, I would just share my heart with you. And um, I just want you to do the same with me. So if there's anything that you think of or an issue that this may speak to, please just raise your hand or just jump right in. But over the course of all these years, and perhaps with you too, um, I have experienced many wonderful, incredible instruments. And I've experienced (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what I like yeah. to call PSOs <laughs> piano shaped objects <laughs> I was at, um, up in Crestridge uh, near Ridgecrest Crestridge, and they brought a piano special in from the outside for me to play that when I hit the first chord I had to lift the notes before I could play the second oh, and it, it really I found just kind of what worked and you, you limit what you can do you wind up improvising your way through at least I thought well I'll just have to make this one up on the fly um, and then there's often times where people bring in a, somebody's little keyboard and think you could do a concert on a keyboard which you can do a few nice things but they're basically an enhancement uh, object there are some great pianos I have two at home that are electric that are great but I don't know that I'd want to do a full concert on them. So it's, I, I, we've seen it all, and we play it all. And if you're like my church, they tune twice a year, mm-hmm. whether it needs it or not. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it needed it four times a year, depending on the weather change, the humidity, and our organ and pianist, she'll start the opening hymn, and I would hit the opening oh. chord, and we're in two different zip codes. So you just kind of back off and go, yeah, we'll go organ only today. Sometimes you think for a moment you're in the wrong key. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And then you realize, no, we're in a bad tuning situation. So um, we are at the mercy of that. And, and oftentimes that can kind of put a little bit of a puncture in your balloon of joy when you sit down and you've practiced and every came in and everything went great and then you show up for worship and there's little loopholes. And it, uh, I'm an organist, I was an organ major in college and I, I sat down to play some of the most amazing organs and practice and then show up for the service and there's a cipher. And then you've got this A that's sounding nonstop and it doesn't matter what you play, you sound terrible. Uh, some of those moments just really try us, and we, we meet challenges like that week in and week out that we're not anticipating. Uh, how to overcome that? We are at the mercy of the keys. But I don't really have a solution for that. I'm just venting. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what my ministry music solution mm -hmm. was one time. Um, one of the three or four I've had in the last 10 years. Um, his solution was to move me from the baby grand piano we had, or the grand piano we had, mm -hmm. instead of getting it tuned on a regular basis to the keyboard. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a full 88 key keyboard, but still, yeah, with yeah. weighted keys, but still, it was, you can't do on a keyboard what you can do on a piano because you have no control over the sound, not to a certain degree. Right. It's usually run through the house, so that means uh -huh. that the sound guy's going to dictate. And even though I'm married to him, he followed the directions of <laughs> the last <laughs> music. Turn it to six, and that's what it is. Doesn't matter the volume you play. Yeah. Um, the other side of that is your partner instrument. And, and sometimes you're at the mercy of the partner or the partner's instrument. And there's been, I, I, like I said, I go to 40 plus churches a, a year and I have met in the situation where they, they love their organist. She's 90 mm -hmm. and she's got Coke bottle glasses and, enlarged, and she's right here's the music and here's her. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you bring in your duets to be played with her and it's, it's just a challenge. Um, to go the new tempo that she dictated it would be and or to find the the settings because sometimes you can't hear this did any play with organist are there any, any I, of you I, I, used to, to I used to be the organist that people had to play with, I had so. to play with. <laughs> well I've been on both sides mm -hmm. of that camp and sometimes that's, that too presents a challenge but um, all of these kind of things do challenge us and it's it Life, somebody once told me that uh, life is not about all the stuff's going to happen to you. It's how you're going to deal with those challenges, how you're going to rise above it and, and do that in an in attitude of Christian love. But um, there's just a lot of things that can go into our potpourri of, of filtering our praise and trying to find our joy. And sometimes that joy gets diminished. I've heard you all say 37 years, 25 years. And all these multitudinal of years, 40 years for me, and Judy, you know, a long time. I, I was shutting the door, so I missed your years. 34. 34 years. Um, it's easy, guys, to become complacent. Mm -hmm. And to find, I have found what works, and it's easy for me to do, instead of trying to push yourself to the next level. So part of my intent in coming up with this, this little topic was, what can I say to inspire you? to take this to the next level, to make you regain your passion for what you do, for the piano, because this is a very passionate instrument. You, everything is the same, but how I play it, how Lisa plays it, how you play it are three different ways. And there's an energy that we bring to the piano. It's, it's just like we can all go to the store and we can buy the same groceries, but what you make out of that and what I make out of that may be two different things, and yours would be a lot better. Okay? <laughs> 
So there's one couple of practicalities, and I wish we had a, a, a grand piano and an artist bench to show you, but one of the most common things that I see in churches I go to is the piano bench is positioned too close to the piano. And so many pianists like to drive, like they're driving a car, have it almost tucked under, and they're sitting in a stoic kind of position mm -hmm. instead of an, an outreach where you have body fluid movement. If you back this up, and I always say kind of watch your derriere to where you're on the front half of the bench, and that gives you body motion. It gives you a range of movement. But if you're sitting under here, you're locked in. Can y'all see that? Mm -hmm. you, you see how I'm, I'm locked into almost a uh, Charlie Brown Schroeder <laughs> position. I can only instead of trying to reach up here, it's just it, my arm is in a cramp. I'm already pulled in. There's no stretch. There's tension in my arm and my wrist. So backing the bench up, just go home and see if you're at least on the front half of that bench. I used to teach piano and I would put a stick across the bench and they had to sit front of the stick. Because there's something about that, and you can use your foot for leverage, it'll keep you from falling over, but that gives you a wider range of motion. Now what I want you to do is sit like you're sitting at a piano. <laughs> so everybody can straighten your chair. And find a position how far back you need to be to get out into the keys. I can't get back. Can't get back hard. Hard. Well, part of the problem with that is when, you, as you, as you in your glasses, just true. <laughs> Sometimes I have issues with. I mean, my husband had to build yeah. a two-inch step to put my bench on because I had to get it up high enough so I wouldn't be doing this yeah. number all. It's absolutely found that progressive lenses now because seeing mm -hmm. the organ music is different than seeing. Uh huh. The, it the is composition. Most certainly. Everybody, put your arms up on the on the. Yeah, these chairs are lower than the piano. So. Apologies to that. See if you can get your elbows in front of your body. They should be front of your body. And then now lean your torso in slightly. That is the correct position. If you're sitting straight up, that is not, that's rigid. You want to have movement. And the movement comes in physically placing yourself on the piano in a, in a bit of a moved position. Now, can you just do a little sway like you're playing up and down? Do you feel the whole body kind of moving into that position? Now I'm going to make you do the opposite. Slide it to the foot. Now put your hands. Now try to do that movement. Oh yeah. You, you're already constricted a third as much, or maybe even a fourth as much as what you were able to do with the piano bench. Nobody thinks about that, but it's different for every single person, and um, it, it's crucial. I had this, and you would think they would know better. I was in Carnegie Hall in May. And there was a young 12-year-old prodigy that went before me. Great. Twelve. He was a Russian. Phenomenal kid. Played the socks off the piano. But when he came on, and I knew in rehearsal, I told the guy, I said, can you put tape down so you know where the bench goes for me? The piano would be the same. But I need the bench marked. And he said, no problem. He said, you sit on it and we'll roll it up. I said, no, I'm talking about where it is. And I still had to move that bench. When I, it, you shouldn't have to do that. But he didn't understand what I was saying. He did give me my own bench with height. And the other kid had a, a different bench, height. But I needed placement. So sitting there, you're trying to scoop that thing back. This is a little bit of a So yeah, do examine that at home, because I tell you, that right there is going to already give you a little bit more of an artist approach to playing. If you've ever watched piano artistry, there is something about this drama that enfolds in the body, and all that is happening in this in this wide area, this 
landscape that your body can kind of make up. <laughs> so get yourself moved back from the keys. And uh, that, that just really will, will help, I think, in your passion. Um, scooting kind of on down through this list, this is in no particular order, but uh, how many of you do practice on a fairly regular? Practice is that thing we used to do when, yeah. <laughs> when we were in school. And do you still find time to make yourself? Yeah, well, I'm retired, so it's easier to do. What does practice look like for you? Well, I still have to be in the mood, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's not, a, it's not like every day, 10 to 12, or anything like that. But um, something I'm trying to do, which I'm not doing. One guy, I, I went to one of these conferences, it was years ago, I think it was at Glorietta, and he said, oh, you need to play those hand exercises, you need to keep up with those. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the older I get, the more I need to do that. So I'm trying to do that some, and then go into what I need to prepare. Do you find your strength gets weaker for yes. you? Mm -hmm. Is it strength? I got a thumb issue. Ah, and you hear this carpal tunnel and, and, uh, and arthritis. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one's mine. So, yeah, you got all this to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably older than you think. There are challenges that we all face, and I do agree with the strengthening exercise. But for me, what has changed in my practice is not necessarily what it was for me in college. When I would practice notes, scales, and blah, 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 you know, all those kind of things, it's, it's experiencing the music. It's trying to put myself into the music. I gotta tell you this story. Uh, you don't know the name Jay Rouse at all? Mm -hmm. but he's probably my best buddy. We hang around a lot of conferences together. He's Sandy Patty's accompanist. So he, he travels quite a bit. Um, last January, we were at Music Texas. And on Monday night, it was a free night. We were given the evening off, so a bunch of the ministers of music invited Jay and I. We wanted to go see the greatest showman. Have any of you seen the movie? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not having it. Okay. So anyway, we we agreed to go. And if you've ever been to a movie with a bunch of ministers of music, which I they sit every other seat. Nobody sits by each other, so they have space. <laughs> And Jay and I are kind of sitting in the center of the row, but we're also seated apart. And it's one of those that you put your feet up, even mm -hmm. though it changes your life, you'll never go to another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. And this movie comes on. Now, if you've seen it, have you seen it? All right, am I right? In the first seven minutes, it tells the story of their love and their relationship from childhood all the way mm -hmm. to marriage and having kids. And it happens in one song, one incredibly composed piece of music. And there are only 11 songs in the entire thing that these two young men composed. Well, as a composer and arranger, as Jay is also, we both begin to listen to this arrangement. And I mean, wow. How do you write a song that goes on and on and on and tells a story in such a dramatic way in the music? I liken music to flight. And, it, and he took the music up to a level, but took it to the next level. And then you think, well, there's nothing more they can do to that arrangement. They took it another level. And now I'm getting my phone out and the note pages. And I said, when you think you've gone high enough, take it up another third, do this. And then on the next song, they did a modulation period. It took it up, but the modulation went down. And so I wrote down, oh, try modulating and go down instead of up. But with the feeling that you went up. I, I look over and Jay's taking notes. He's doing the same thing. And all the rest of the guys are like, what are you doing? 
And through the entire movie, I am so taken aback by this the arranging and the composition, the, the overall effect that that is having on me, that I miss, I, I don't know the movie. I don't know what's going on. When we leave the movie, I'm looking at Jay, he's kind of paging us. I, I said, send me yours, airdrop me yours. We're, we're sending each other our notes. One of the guys said, well, that moment when, you know, when he, he makes up with his wife and they, they just embrace. Wasn't that a great moment? And I'm like, what? What <laughs> <laughs> was the music behind that moment? <laughs> and he says, I, said, I looked at Jay and said, we missed the movie, Jay. <laughs> and I began to realize that happens every Sunday. Mm -hmm. How often do you go into church and because you're the accompanist, you're so... I mean, if you're the organist, especially, you've got four things lined up to get you through the first prayer set. Then you lift that four off and you put the next four on the rack and you, and the whole time you're working. In the prayer, you're not praying. You're working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pianist, you're doing the same thing. If you've ever played for me, you're, you're constantly thinking, oh, I've got to have this next, I need to lay this one out. I made a copy of this page. I have it taped on, I've got to unfold that. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Oh, they're praying. This is my time to get the next thing out. And you leave church and you know what you haven't done? Worship. Worship. You missed it. And I think that there's something to be said about us all getting back to the song. Mm -hmm. my, my personal quote, and I made this in Alpharetta, Georgia, they put it on the wall in the choir room, is don't ever be so consumed by the music that you miss the song. I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. It's worth writing. Don't be so consumed by the music that you miss the song. So now my practice is not so much the scales. It's not so much all the notes and all the wherewithal that the music allows. It's the song. The song is what I want to play. And the song is what I want you to learn. And, you know, Mother's Day, my son came in the house. They were up visiting and he brought me the greatest showman through them. And Mama, watch the movie. So turn the sound off, but watch <laughs> So I want us to engage with, with the music that we play. Because I think if we can do that, we're going to find a newfound level, a depth to our playing that we don't have necessarily when we're just plowing through a song. Now I'm going to make y'all sing some with me. Uh, do you know the little chorus? Um, oh, shoot. Um, what's the verses of the... Father, we love you. What's the first one? Jesus, we love you. Maybe it's Jesus. Is it Jesus? We love you. Father. Father. Father, yeah. We adore you. Is there a spirit? Yeah. All right, those are our three. Those are our three verses. And I want you to sing it. I'm going to take you on a journey with the piano of you singing that. I want you to follow my rise and follow my lows. And let's see if we can just experience some passion in the song. I want you to think about the song. It's a simple song. I picked it because you don't need the music. What's a good key, everybody? Father? Good altos? How many are altos? <laughs>
course of singing that song, we took the glory to a big level. But we also impersonalized the glory to a soft level. The dynamic spectrum ran the full gamut. And I did that through what? Some modulations. We started in B flat, we went to C, we went up a whole step, we went up a half step, which we talked about on the modulation form. Some of you got that. There's a modulation in the earlier handout that uh, shows you how you can modulate from one key to the next. And you can just keep that as a handy tool if you ever have to get from one to the next. But there is something about the rise and fall and the use of the dynamic line. And one of the biggest problems and challenges that I see pianists, oh, these, these ones, is assuming that this is, um, let's say, piano, pianissimo, pianissimo mm -hmm. and fortissimo. And if this was a kind of a clock, something like that. Right? That kind of covers the softest to the loudest. 90% of the church music I experience hits mm -hmm. right there. And the and bad thing is when you've got an orchestra, it's even worse about being in. Right. And, and it does tend to lean this way. But it very rarely does it come into this realm. And the other second challenge I would make is for you to use the full gamut. Not only in your expression here, but in the range of the dynamics. And you can do that just in one hymn, uh, just taking the hymn. And the organists and pianists have complete control. You don't know that you do, but you, it's all in the power in which you play it. You can play the same, and some of you may not, I, I do a lot of embellishing, but like holy, holy, what key's holy? D. 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 We don't agree. D. <laughs> it could, it could be just as spiritual if it were a... In a soft, if I were the minister of music, that's how I would begin that. Just in a nice, soft, in fact, it would be really awesome to begin with a forte introduction that tapers into a soft, and when the singing begins, it begins in a soft. But then can you imagine the final stanza when you're up to about F major, and it's fortissimo, and everybody's singing holy, 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 like it's going to be in heaven, I think. Yeah. That changes the whole texture of that hymn. If we, when we practice, practice hymns, I would love to see you practice dynamics. And to, what's going to, what's going to inspire the dynamics? What would you suggest? What the would words, be? The words, I think. The words. The what? The words. The text. Absolutely. And one thing we talked about earlier today was that sometimes pianists get too, um, open the anthem. I gave you an anthem. If you look at this piece of music, what's the first thing your eyes gravitate toward, guys? What's the first thing you see? As a pianist, aren't your eyes, there should be a couple of things here. Aren't your eyes already focused on what am I playing? The key, yeah. Rhythm. So, <laughs> rhythm. The key, what else you see? Left hand. You got a crossover issue already, yeah. Well, it's going to be looking at our what we've got to play, not what's. That's words are. it, Lisa. You're you're focused mm -hmm. on what you've got to do, and there's there's already a, a, a mind block on the vocal part. Mm -hmm. But I want you to read the opening line of the words. What is more important, what you have to do, or that that line is prominent? 
Look at that line. I am no longer mom. Are any of you familiar? Anybody method? We're not methods. We're all Baptists. There's um, a Methodist prayer called the Wesley Covenant Prayer, and this is it. Craig Courtney did a setting last year, and I, I didn't know he was doing it. He didn't know I was doing it. But we both set this text, and it's absolutely amazing. Look at these words. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing or put me to suffering. Page six. Let me be employed for you, laid aside for you, be exalted for you, or brought low for you. Isn't that powerful? That's giving everything over to the Creator and saying, I'm yours. I'm not my own. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely yield all things. The final stanza, Now glorious, blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. What is so be it? Amen. An amen. It stamps as done. So be it. I am yours. So be it. You're mine and I am yours. Amen. It's an incredibly powerful anthem. This piece um, came out a couple of years ago. Sold really well in the Methodist churches for obvious reasons. But. Mm -hmm. Writing this was one of the hardest challenges I've ever had to do. It was a commission, and I was given the assignment of setting this text. But here's the, here's the rub. As a composer is trying to write the text, I can't express it if I don't do it. I, how am I going to say, I am no longer mine but yours. I give you, no matter what happens, I give you all things. If I don't believe that, I can't passionately invest myself on the keys. And guys, if you don't believe the music you play, and it hasn't become a part of your DNA in that practice, I wish we had another word for practice. Let's call it worshiping ahead of time. <laughs> that's what we call it on Wednesday nights. That's our worship. It's worship ahead of And honestly, honestly, I worship sometimes more on Wednesday night than mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday, I'm all, I'm, as a young mother, I would be trying to make sure my kids got from Sunday school to the sanctuary. I'm distracted. I'm loaded with registration, what I can't use, what's out of tune, what note to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, just a plethora of distractions. But I don't often have that on Wednesday nights, or better yet, I don't have it at home. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the worship happens at home. For me as a writer, a lot of my worship happens in the composition. Uh, I'll let you just sing a little bit of this. I know we don't have the men, so you may just have to kind of look at their part or sing it up an octave or something. Or as Alzheimer's can sing the part. But this is a very dramatic, cinematic piece. And it's because it, it was life-changing for me as a writer to put myself in. I know, you see what, black and white? But the colors of my expression and my heart have filled this page. I wish I could print it the way I see it, the way I feel it. I have uh, something called synesthesia. Have y'all ever heard of synesthesia? It is seeing music in color. And it's, it's where you see keys 
representing color. It's it's an actual thing. It's a real. Yeah. I'm not. There was a little girl voice for that. Has that? Yeah. I, I had a student who had it also. And that's how we kind of. But she said that feels like a dark blue to me. I said me too. And, it's, it, and I'm the same way with E major being yellow. And, and and her mother did her bedroom in purple and yellow, and it made her physically ill. <gasps> and we realized it's because the colors were dissonance. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of cool? Look at synesthesia. It's really a fascinating thing. But for me, as a writer, I have to, the key has to also suit the mood of the music. It all has to fall together. And guys, this is, this is what we're, I think a lot of church musicians aren't going to this level of getting themselves into, into like climbing in bed with the piece of music. You're just, immediately like when you look at that, you're thinking crossover, rhythm, left hand, right hand, boom, let's go. And that's important, but that's only about a quarter of the stuff we need to do. Let's try to sing a little bit. Oh, this little sammy is already starting to stick, Miss Judy. My notes are, I don't know how long this is going to last, this poor little piano. But it's been a long time since I played an upright. what you've just heard 
from a musical passion standpoint? Anybody, anything? What spoke to you or what didn't? Did they not make a difference yes. to the words? They did. Oh, yeah. The flow, um, the yeah. contrast and the rhythms that were playing, um, where you had that very dynamic bass mm -hmm. section to begin with, even though it was soft, it was still driving. And then on page um, six, it goes more to a, a melodic arpeggio of the, mm -hmm. the same types of scales, so that gives you a more flowing feeling, which um, it, it it lends itself to the words. I don't know how to describe it, but it, it just did very, very it well. Did. Obviously, I'm not making myself clear, but it no, just really did. No, it actually did. And I will you, 32, my soul just kind of went. <gasps> you didn't see it coming. No, yeah, the element no. of a, of a I loved it. It, my, it, it just caught There's my There's a bit of a brush between minor and major in this entire thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. The conflict and the back and forth, mm -hmm. the, let me be full, let me be empty, and then there's the conflict and the accidentals and the music, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the settled, it finally gets to a, a major chord. I want to sing one phrase again. Uh, it's right at the beginning. Uh, I know it was low, but and let's sing bar five through bar eight. Everybody that can, just sing it up an octave. My my That's the melody. Here we go. And... Uh, When the choir wasn't singing, I took the moment. I let that be. I, I believe so heartily in the St. Francis of Assisi, make me an instrument. And that means all things. We as, as pianists are not the back seat guys. We have a voice. These are our voices. And to me, it is on an equal part of importance. You're sharing your gift as fully and as openly and freely as the vocalist is. And so when you have a moment, like four bars of intro, a measure of, of transition right there in bar eight, those are your moments to come forth and sing. You're part of that choir that steps out for that moment, and you're, you know, you're the focal for the moment, and then back right back off. Here, one more time. It's a, it's a really important feature to learn as a, an accompanist. but it was a felt moment. And these are moments that we get to take and take them freely because to me they make it expressive. And you know what else it does? A slight crescendo in seven, while the men are holding that whole note, gives them momentum to hang on. Mm -hmm. While they're, they're singing the <laughs> You're building into your moment, but you encourage their moment. So for that time, everybody was kind of working in a, in a harmonic fashion to accomplish the same purpose. There, there's uh, Taking advantage of some of these remote times,
times and letting the piano set the, the pace for where we're going to be. Look at the middle of seven. You see I have a big crescendo going on in here. And why? Because we just said, I yield all things. And to me, that means all things. That means unload the truck. Back it up and dump it. And so I threw the crescendo, the forte, the fullness. Look at the keys. We range what kind of octaves here. We're ranging it from the low E flat to the high G there. We're covering about a three and a half octave range. And so the piano itself got fuller to build to that moment. Now that's going to happen again if you look uh, into the uh, page eight. It even gets fuller. Look at measure 54, for example. And I'm not sure all writers, I can't speak to every composer, but I'm speaking to me. Using this in conjunction with the text of trying to make everything help and encourage and incentivize the other. I'm building your part, I'm playing my part, and we're all working together. Look at measure 59. Mm -hmm. We're now at fortissima, we're at 10 on the scale. And what happened? You have a concerto chord. So that even gives you a more thunderous voice. And it's all going to come back down into the sixfold amen at the end. Because I, I wanted to stamp that amen, the so be it, at the loudest point of the song. So be it. Which you begin at the bottom of page 7. And now, glorious, blessed God. I'm going to play you in by two measures. Thing. When music lifts us to where 
where we can't even define it. I love that. I love to go to concerts where the music washes over me. The words are important, and they do say something. This, listen, your choirs get a, what, about a four-minute pass of, of worship time that they get to go out there and minister in a, in a choral anthem or in a, an introit or a call to worship, whatever they're doing. It's about a four minute, and you work what, every week for an hour to, for that four minutes of, of, and that is your opportunity to convey your heart and your message. The pastor gets 22, 25 minutes, maybe 45. I don't know how long they take, but we get a five minute moment. Pianists, organs, you get preludes off and towards the post, and they're not to be taken lightly. They should mean something to you first, and if, if they speak to you, they can't help. Speak. I did an arrangement on piano of, um, of the song Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Mm -hmm. I love that because it's a prayer and, and, and my arrangement just kind of washes over in, in a soft opening. But then as it gets in there to the, um, here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. I, I, I'm playing full out on the keys because I want to give all of my heart. Seal it for that just the hymn, just looking at the words of these hymns is life-altering. It's changing. And if we're playing all four stanzas of every hymn, all the same, it's it, it, unaffected. Or, or even a praise chorus. I mean, especially some of the praise music, it can go on so long that it loses its impact, its power. The power is in the text. And if we don't do something with this raider, utilize everything in our toolbox to make it a little bit stand out, different, fresh, what can I do? That's how I practice. It's not all that does, it's what can I do to speak this song? How can I convey this? With these 10 figures, how am I gonna make this song speak? And that goes for a prelude, an offertory, or a postlude. And folks, uh, I wanna offer some suggestions of ways that might help you to take your playing to another level. And these are some physical things. This is not necessarily playing. It's using all the things in, at hand. And I'm going to use this illustration. My nephew, a few years ago, was getting married. And his uh, wife had grown up in a church where they sang one of my anthems called Beloved, Let Us Love One Another. And she had always loved that anthem. It's a completely original anthem, through and through. Beloved, let us love one another for love is a love. You wouldn't know it. Uh, it didn't sell all that much, but boy, her church and uh, Sam said, hey Mary, uh, would you play that at our wedding? Now I was playing for their wedding, but they wanted that piece when the mothers came. I said, Sam, I will, but nobody knows it. <laughs> and how awkward is that going to be to sit there and play a choral arrangement with no choir, with not, nobody hearing the words, there's nothing. And, uh, and it came to me. Like just the night before the rehearsal, I thought it. I said, I called. Christy, and I said, Christy, is there a girlfriend that you wanted to be a bridesmaid but you didn't have enough? Is there somebody coming in for the wedding that you is real special to you? She said, yeah. And I said, would she read those words while I play? And she said, yes, that would be perfect. So I typed up the lyrics, and we rehearsed at the rehearsal. She was coming to the rehearsal, and her husband was in the wedding. And it was beautiful. Beautiful. And I start playing the introduction. I'm just playing the choral, but she starts reading and Dragon started playing, I ever nod. She said, Beloved, let us love one another 
for Lazarus. And I underscored her reading. And I must have played through three or four pages at the end, but by the time she finished the text, I had some of it repeated. And then when she finished, I swelled the piano and finished the actual arrangement. And it was really effective. It was just a matter of taking something that was less known, that I wanted to play. If you ever have an offertory or something that maybe scripture, I'm doing an organ book right now called Scripture Reflections. It's all original music. It's in my heart's interpretation of scripture that um, our organ editor came up with this great idea. It's been fun to do. It's kind of Gordon Youngish, but it's fun. And uh, what I'm doing, though, I said, what I want to do is put the scripture under the title of what inspired that piece. Now, I did that on Sweet By and By. I believe this is the book. This came out a long time ago. Um, yeah. And not every word of every one of these hymns was inspired, uh, inspired the arrangement. But I took the words that did and put them here in the book. Just to inspire you. Because you're not, when you're playing piano music, there's no words. <laughs> and you may know a first verse, right? Of every mm -hmm. hymn in the book. Yeah. First and last. You surely do that. Surely a lot of stuff you don't know. And I thought, I wanted to read, because if you, you can almost hear how it's painted. Mm -hmm. How this stands, it's painted in the first section, this one in the second. And if you see what, yeah, it's right, it's not every word to the hymn. It's just little fresh sections of it. Um, there's one that was, oh, here's trusting Jesus, just a little part of the trusting Jesus. And that's just for you, that's from me to you. That's a way of saying, just read this over, because I want people to connect with the words. And I want you to play the words. And not just play mere notes, because listen, piano music is just black and white. It's just notes on paper. And if we get caught up in just doing this, we missed this. We missed all this heart song here. Another idea, guys, is to put it on the screen. How many have screens overhead? And I, when I do play at my church, I will turn in the words. We have a guy in the media who will put everything in PowerPoint and put the words up where they already have many of them, put some of the CCLI license pieces. And give them a word. You don't have to give the whole thing. Just put a verse of the song you're playing if you're doing an arrangement on, on uh, the old rugged cross. Let some of those words, they can do a pretty little picture of a cross and put the words up and let it just float up there while you play. Because it draws people to the imagery of the words that you're, you're depicting on your hands. As, as pianists, we, we have challenges because we don't say the words, right? My little niece, uh, Sam's sister, is an incredible dancer. And I used her once to dance the offertory. I was playing uh, The Flight of Jesus. Do you know the untitled hymn? Danced for Jesus. Cried to Jesus. And she did the most beautiful interpretive dance. Just thinking outside your wheelhouse of options, you don't have to just sit and play all the time. There's young people who need to be used, and they can be used in a real positive fashion to dance, to uh, to sign. read, to sign. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. sign language yeah. is beautiful. It's it's a and you don't have now to do every word. It's it's just something that kind of gives the aura of the idea. And who doesn't who doesn't know you know when you're looking up and you're signing what you're talking about? You don't have to know signs. Uh, it's a beautiful technique. Anybody else, have you ever done any kind of creative tie-in to your, to your worship play? I've done words on the screen. Words on the screen. Because it's a less familiar hymn, yeah. and I try to 
Exactly. It does. It, it does make mm -hmm. You think always like that? Would you? Would you try? Yeah, that? definitely. So, uh, you know what? You can even just put it in the bulletin. Y'all have printed bulletins. Underneath your, you don't have it. Underneath the, where it says offertory, so just one line of the words or the scripture or something that inspired it. I do have them put the, the hymn title and the hymn number so that if they are of a mind to pull it out okay. and look at it. Is it, it on screen? Yeah. It's on screen the whole point. But the, the, and I love that. I like I like the head up mm -hmm. of, the, of the screens, but I'm missing B.B. McKinney and Fanny Crosby. And I miss those names as a composer. I, that matters to me. I know those are people. And uh, and just just knowing that makes such a difference. We show it on ours. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the copyright and the composer. That's really good. That's 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 Interject, because we've got 20 minutes. Is, is there something else you wanted, some other direction? Am I helping you at all, or is this ridiculous? Mm, no, this is not ridiculous. Mm, okay. Not ridiculous at all. One of the things I struggle with, yes. if you don't mind addressing it, no. we need to always give God our best, obviously. Mm. I play an offertory, that is my worship to Him, that's how I feel about it. But when does your best cross over into being showy? ever want to be showy, don't ever want the emphasis to be, oh, isn't she a wonderful pianist? You all want it to go to God. So if you get up there and do less than your best because you're trying to not be showy, then you've not done giving God your best. But you don't want to be this, you know, do you know what I mean? But it's hard for, it's a but hard you know what, you can't worry about what people think. I think we stopped that now, that path. We're going to replace yeah, it. You've been in church for many years as we collectively have been. Yeah. Listen, Right here, next to you, right there, by the piano, which sits right here, grand piano. We have a sanctuary that sits 1,600 people. Mm -hmm. This lady, when I start playing the offertory, <laughs> yes. she'll sit like this through the entire offertory. I'm like, go sit back there. Yeah. Go sit somewhere else and hurt your ears. I can't find her. I can't, she ain't going to move. And I realize I'm not playing for her. When we go to church, anything we go on that goes on that we talked about this earlier this morning, what we're doing is not a horizontal thing. We're not performing for these people. Mm -hmm. We are not for them to sit there and go, okay, that was, that was awful. We didn't fire that guy. Because if that's what's happening, we've missed the boat. We've missed it in a big, massive way. We have got to be about evoking God's presence and bringing his spirit into the worship. And if that means you play passionately and you play with drive, or I've even had somebody ask me who does my choreography. <laughs> I guess it's just the Lord. Because if I am in passion with what I'm playing, and I'm getting into it, I am having a worship moment. And I'm not playing for you. And if you don't like it, you miss the moment. Because for me, I was at the throne of grace. I was sitting at God's feet playing for Him. And there's no greater pleasure. There's no greater pleasure. When we come into the house of God, it's for Him. It's not for these people in the pew. So I don't think we, if you know your heart is right, and you know that what you're doing is because you love God, and that's how you feel, and that music has lifted you to that plane of expression, 
Now, if it's if it's contrived, that's a whole other thing. And I've seen contrived. I've seen it in professionals where you can almost tell it's they were emulating Liberace or something. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, just be fancy for fancy's sake. Play the music. Um, but I, that's between them and God. I'm not going to judge either. I don't think it's fair, but I, I really think if it's real and it's genuine, people will see that. There's there's a hymn that says, let others see Jesus in you. And we we have almost an obligation. You talk about if our God wants our best, He wants our all. He wants our heart. He wants our commitment to Him. And so we have to reflect God's love in what we do, everything that we do. And if we reserve that, is that fair? Is that being who we are supposed to be? Are we supposed to meet people and not share the love of Jesus? We're supposed to reflect it. So I, I don't know. To me, when I, I perform, I give it all up. I give it 100%. Isn't that true, dude? Look at that. Look, a new way to play. Um, well, well, what she's talking about, go down one more. Make you job your passion. Play from your heart to the Lord. And I think praying about what you should play is important. Now, don't don't poo-poo that too quick because that is really critical. I did that about my writing. I said, Lord, what do you want me to write? I'm waiting, you know, I'm going to receive your blessing for this song. What do you want? And I think you all should do that too. When you're sitting there looking at books and think, God, I, I have a book here. I have six books. Lead me to the song. And ask him to. He will answer all things. He will. And you know, have you ever been in that situation where you picked a song to play? And that Sunday morning, somehow, it just freakishly yes. tied into yes. something that the yes. pastor said, and you go, that was a God thing. Oh, yeah. Or somebody comes up and said, my mother passed away last week, and we had his eyes on the spirit of her funeral. Thank you for playing. And you think, I don't even think about playing that until it just kind of came. God will speak to your mind. He will come into your thoughts, and, and you've got to listen. Don't, don't ever be too quick to just think, oh, I just thought that was a dumb idea. That idea got put in your head for you. Somebody, I'm, I'm off track, but if some name pops into your head, do something about that. Yeah. Pray about it. Pray for them because nothing like that happened. There are no coincidences, none in God's world, in His kingdom. If you think of something, follow through. All right, so pray about everything. Um, and and I, this number three under the way to play is what I was just talking to you all about, the ideas there. Sight reading. Um, we're, we're also limited. How many times have you bought a book? I'm guilty of this, so I'm speaking to me. And play two pages of it, and you think, oh, this is good. It's an F. I'm rolling along. I'm doing great. You turn the page, and it just goes to seven sharps, and you're like, what did Marquis do? Did he spell <laughs> What was he thinking? And so you turn it on, and you're like, okay, I'll just play something else. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I'll play these two pages, and then I'll just double back, and I'll do the hymn, and I'll finish these play these two pages again. There's, it's such an easy way to avoid having to do the challenges. So many of these books are written on different levels. And you may tend to gravitate to the sugar sticks. How many of you have books that are worn to a frazzle? Because that's the oh, book yeah. you grab. I have a whole drawer of them that's called on the, you know, grab on the fly books. Mm -hmm. I, I, half of the books aren't even in covers anymore. I don't know what happened to the covers. Uh, but I challenge you to find some new product and stretch your sight reading. One of the things we yeah. get older, we get complacent. And we're just not going to challenge ourselves. But find one thing that's difficult and say, by Christmas, I'm going to play this piece. And just set your sights toward doing it. Um, I think that's a good thing. Don't you need to challenge yourself a little bit? Put something out there that's out of your reach. 
I, one year I was asked to play the Duraflame Requiem. Have y'all ever done the Duraflame? Mm-hmm. Hardest thing ever was written for organ. It's all in five sharps, seven sharps, it, it, it has X's everywhere. Double sharp, double sharp. Mm-hmm. And when I committed to do it, I looked at it, I listened to it, I thought, oh, I can do this by ear. I'm an ear player, so I can do this. Mm-hmm. But when I started looking at the music, I could not. It was so hard. There was a piece, number three in the, in the Requiem, that was so hard that I took, I broke it down into from today to the day of performance, how many measures I could do a day to mm-hmm. learn it. And I had about two measures a day. I would only tackle two measures. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play that work today if you put it in front of me, mm-hmm. but I got through that performance really well. It's like studying for a final. <laughs> yeah. But I, to this day, I'll never forget the challenge and what that made me feel good about myself that I rose to that challenge and I did it. Um, schedule an organ or piano concert. Have y'all ever thought about doing a concert? Maybe if you ever have a fundraiser event or something of that nature that you can do, or just play beyond just your your prelude and offertory, a little mini concert or something of that nature. Uh, those we used are, to have handle concerts. Yeah. That, that concert pressure is a different pressure. Yeah. It um, it it's challenging. It pushes you. Record yourself. Have you ever record yourself? Yeah. If you've done recordings, I know you ladies have done them with the Jubilaires, but when you mess up, you have to start over. Mm-hmm. And that pressure to, I'm, I'm being recorded, I can't mess up. Mm-hmm. That is a discipline unlike any other. It pushes you to not mess up. I've had people, I've had people come who were doing a solo and say, could you please record this so that, so that I can practice mm-hmm. it since we are having trouble right. getting together. And you need to oh, man. You go know, there 20 times. Uh, and then if you're like me, you're on the last page and, then, and you're sweating. You're like, you're like Bugs Bunny, the collars are coming off. And you're at the end and you're like, oh. And, you make and then you last because note. your hand starts doing a number on you and you mess yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I challenge you to record, at least record yourself. But if you could do a concert with a pianist or organist, have a musical time, that's be fun. Believe your story enough to share. Now that's just what we're talking about. With full out conviction. Believe your story. And if you believe in the Lord you serve, and you believe what you're playing, you believe he has gifted you beyond measure to do what you're called to do, the other thing to keep in mind is that you're the best in the house at what you do. Um, I, I, sometimes it's hard to realize if you are the pianist you're the church pianist you're the church pianist nobody else can do one or they'd be doing it right if they were better it's true wouldn't you be done you'd, you'd move on come on sister I, I'm going to sit in and take a Sunday off you're the best they have they admire you and what you they, so many people listen as a young girl I admired our church companies. I wanted to be one so bad. I would stand at the organist's feet and just watch her. Mm-hmm. I when I was four years old, I, at the end of church, you know, she could always tell me I'd be at the organ watching the organist's feet. I was enthralled by it as a little girl. And to say I've been organist to that church is just me as a woman. So engage, look at this next one, number eight, engage your audience with a connection to the music. And that's the dreaded word. Memorize. But what a wonderful challenge because you know what memory does? It enables you to really get into the heart of the song. And I close my eyes a lot when I perform because it's, I don't want to think about the, the audience. I don't want to think about the choir that's sitting there or the camera that's on me or whatever. I want to just think about the face of Jesus. I want to just play face to face, see it face to face. 
and to, to be able to close your eyes and lose yourself in that music. Even if you just memorize a page, try it and open the music to the next page so you don't have a, a page turn. <laughs> and, and two, um, that, that you can kind of get your heart right and get into the spirit of that song before you have to start reading the actual notes on page two. We already talked about number nine. And then really quickly, the next, here's some get organized. Uh, I, I have a husband, is all I can say. He is OCD and he organizes me. Wonderful. But a system for all your keyboard books. Uh, I do have a Try me when I get home because I've already been to Jenny Pepper. <laughs> I, like I said, I have this box of, of go-tos. Yeah. But I do have some of the new stuff. And he's filed everything by season. So I have... I've got pedal points for the last 25 oh, years yes, and I've got songs in each one of them, a, a, a lot of them, yeah. and it's like I really need to categorize and make myself a catalog. Oh. This is the song I want to well, play. Well, now with the computer programs, I'm sure there are some. Oh, there are. Yes. You can get the pedal point from it. Yeah, but then you got to mark through the things <laughs> that aren't piano. Because I, I have downloaded it about 80 pages long. I have to. Twice. <laughs> well, I, I encourage you to do it and find the system so that way you don't go keep buying the same kind of books over and over again. But vary that. And vary the composers that you play. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. there's a tendency to go to the same. Because you, you're comfortable yeah, and well, you no. know what to expect. The and, is, and I, she's always like, let's just do a gay sax that are easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nah, let's do it. <laughs> um, so, folks, uh, Wrapping all this up here in this last little thing here, um, touch with great power, use drama, and, and I think I think your position, utilizing the space of the piano and making this your zip code for the time instead of this your zip code, feeling the full range of body motion, breathing in the music, uh, select pieces appropriate, tie into the anthem if you you know what the anthem is going to be. What about making your offertory something relative? And oftentimes I would tell Bob, uh, my anthem, my offertory is going to end in the same key that the anthem begins. So instead of hitting my last chord, I'm going to start the introduction of the anthem. And wow, that's always neat. Mm -hmm. If he'll go for it, he's paying attention. This really works out great because he can just turn, stand, and choir and boom, we're right into it. There was a complete segue. And thematically, they related. I'm curious, how many people in this room still get to play offertories? Am I the only one who doesn't play? <laughs> what do y'all do for the uh, The choir sings during the offertory. Our, sometimes we have a new interim that does that. And that's, that's it's been the case for life That's not talking, taking the focus on their choir moment either, though. That's taking that away. Everybody's or we do a congregational piece while the choir's being involved. I'd rather have that than choir anthem. Well, we've done both. It just depends. Mm. If they do, if we start the service with the choir anthem, then we do congregational piece to tie in with the message. It's that's the way it's been yeah. for about the last 12 years. I still think I've got for a change. Choir, that's, that's, that's a slam to them because they've yeah. practiced very hard mm -hmm. to convey. And that's a message. It's as important as a sermon message. I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is I never get to play off tours too often. Well, and you the, would and if you could get that off tours. And, 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 and the sad part is I used to get to have expression during Lord's Supper and then the last pastor we had decided he wanted people singing during the Lord's Supper. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a time of, it should be a time of that reflection. a very difficult time of reflection. I mean, you, there's, well, people should be reflecting and not singing. You, you shouldn't even take that if you're, if you're on a mosque with a brother, you shouldn't, and while we're singing, we're not paying attention to it, but we need to get our hearts right. That's what I always thought, but. Wow. Uh, partnering with a hymn, 
this is another kind of an idea that I've always dreamed of having, but where your offertory thematically segues into the hymn or from the hymn you just sang and start playing that hymn at the beginning of your offertory instead of starting your offertory, if it's key related, that is. Start playing a little bit of that hymn or maybe during the offertory prayer, continue to play, improvise on that hymn and then go into your arrangement. And what this all does, guys, I'm, I'm just thinking of a way to to make everything, to keep the momentum alive in that service. So there's, because there's nothing worse in my mind than to do a great prelude, have a, an amazing call to worship, and then somebody get up, all right now, by the Bob's going to come with announcements. And all of a sudden you've lost the whole mm -hmm. flow of this glorious hallelujah prelude call to worship moment, and we just, we were going wow, 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 and then we go, and they gotta give five minutes of announcements. Now does anybody else have anything? All right, let's let's continue now in the attitude of worship. See so it's lost. And so they can get to announcements on the front end or the back end after the you know, before the benediction. I'm I'm for that. But our new pastor, he's not new anymore, seven years, but he changed it so that all announcements are on video. And they play like before that. while everybody's kind of milling, doing their little thing. And they'll lower the house lights to try to get people quiet and pay attention. But announcements are done. And then when we start calling worship, we are in turn. I no love that. I love that. And I said the countdown part, too. Our new yes. interim has said no no announcements from the pulpit. It's all supposed to be about the Word of God. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Well, folks, I, uh, is there anything else you want to share? I know we've got just a couple of minutes left, and I want to pray with you. Uh, anything else that comes to heart, mind, question? Something you want to ask someone in the room? I mean, we're just sisters in, in the faith here. So. Do you oh. think of any contributions? Anything else? Um, no, something related to this that I do is I give the pastor's sermon outline every week, and I try to reinforce that with what I play. Relate to the sermon, if possible. Were you going to say something? Did y'all know she was? No, I was just—I was going to say in defense of my. If I tell him I've got something I've been working on, then he will—then he will let me. But the problem is, when it's taken out of the service, you don't—you don't have that. In, you know that drive to get something worked up. You know you can put it off or or, or make excuses not to work on something. So, yeah. I mean, if I want to do something, then he will make it either as a if it's bombastic, then open the service with it or a little scrape. So one final thought is when you hear choral music and you play solo music, there's easy ways to make that your choir special by using another instrument, and I forgot to mention that, but if you have young people who play clarinet in the church or somebody, and if you have a choral anthem, an arrangement of Jesus Loves Me, an arrangement of something like that, give a young person the encouragement and, and say, I need someone that will come and play this offertory with me, because folks, we are getting older. There's no one in this room that has done this less than 10 years. So we've got to feed and foster this next generation that's coming behind us and encourage them. So please use them on your offertories. Use young people in any way to do your readings, to, to dance, or to, to do a special with you and, and give them the solo line out of your music. And, and then you just under plan let them have the moment. I think that those are some really good ways to encourage the next generation. So.
So I hope this has been encouragement to you as well and that you will take these little nuggets in this limited time and maybe there's some other things that might inspire you. Let, let's have a prayer together and uh, we'll turn y'all loose. Father, you brought us together today and, and orchestrated this time. I pray that uh, things that have been said or done or demonstrated or thought will inspire us to play and do our job, our service to you with more passion. That we will make you the author of our of our song and use our faith and to be inspiring to others. May, may how we play speak to the hearts of the listeners. May what we do and the attitude with which we do it be a conveyance of your love for us. And Father, we never know how many people whose lives we may impact, but I pray that, that you do and that you will lead us to people that we need to involve and engage in doing our work. If there's young people that, that need the encouragement like, like a child that, that loves it and you can sense their love for it, lead us to that child and help us to be someone that might mentor them. So Father, with all of these gifts and these rooms and the churches represented here, we just give you thanks and we also ask your blessings and, and your spirit to come and abide with us as we seek to serve you better in a more full way using every ounce of passion love we have for you because, Lord, we do love you. So we give you the praise and ask this all in Jesus' name.